0: Welcome to this Lord's Day Sunday here at Covenant Presbyterian Church. If you're newer to our church, a special welcome to you. You're invited to spend some time after our worship service. Our Sunday school ministry begins immediately following worship, but there's a class that takes place right here in the sanctuary, a class that serves to introduce folks to the life and doctrine of our church, Covenant. So a special welcome to you. We're in Proverbs chapter 12, so you can be open your, opening your Bibles uh, there. Uh, little theologians, we're uh, very uh, happy to have you here this morning. Uh, moms and dads, little theologians is what we call what we, what I call uh, our children. I might be uh, one of the few who call them that strange thing, little theologians. But little theologians, it's important that you're here uh, worshiping with us, listening to God's sermon uh, preached to you. Our passage is a passage in which uh, King Solomon says the same thing twice, more or less, the same thing twice. Our passage is 28 verses, but you can divide it in half. The first half and the second half match. King Solomon seems to be preaching the same sermon twice. And I want you to think, little theologians, about what your, mo- what your mom and dad say to you uh, twice or three times or four times or oh I don't know 37 times why might they be doing that repeating themselves saying something to you that you've heard uh, time and time again why might they be doing that think about that as we uh, look at this uh, passage from Proverbs 12 together listen as I describe uh, how this is two sermons Our passage is in Proverbs chapter 12. Would you please join me in prayer and then we'll read God's word. Our Father, would you uh, use the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, the contemplation of your word for our good and your glory. We thank you for doing that by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. In Proverbs 12 verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are just, the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man is commended according to his good sense, but one uh, of twisted mind is despised. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread." Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Whoever is wicked covets the spoil of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. This is the word of our Lord. Well, uh, you have seen the, uh, the uh, t-shirts, uh, Life is Good, have you seen that? There's a whole uh, store, at least there once was in the Seattle airport, uh, Life is Good, I'm sure uh, there are other stores, I think, uh, there might be one in uh, downtown Chattanooga. Life is good, isn't it? Or is it? Maybe life is sometimes good, and sometimes it isn't so Good. Maybe I want life to be good, I'm doing everything to achieve good in life, but maybe my wants are not often gratified. Life is good, or is it? I want to be real simple about this passage. This passage, many commentators see a doublet, a repeating, almost as if it is two sermons preached, it's slightly different terminology, but preached back to back verses 1 through 14 and verses 15 through 28, you could almost uh, pull them apart and sit them next to each other and you can see the similarity. So uh, you have the word right in front of you. Uh, You could even right now draw a a bold line between verses uh, 14 and 15 and you can do this yourself this afternoon. Uh, Read them uh, one sermon and the next back and forth and see if you can confirm what many commentators say. see uh, let me uh, describe uh, how that might work uh, look first at verse uh, one and compare it to verse 15 these are the first uh, lines of two sermons verse one whoever loves discipline loves knowledge but he who hates reproof is stupid and look at verse 15. It, it echoes with a similar theme, doesn't it? It's the first words of the same sermon uh, delivered a second time. Verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man does what? listens to advice. These, these are uh, both uh, about uh, instruction that one receives from outside of themselves, a correction, a guidance, and not something that, uh, that uh, reverberates from their own hearts, but someone outside who is speaking to them. And that person ought to love the discipline that they hear from others, the knowledge that they hear from others, the reproof that they hear from others. They ought to be the kind of people who are listening to advice because wisdom, wisdom isn't something that comes from inside of us, but from outside of us. Do you see that in verse 1 and verse 15? The externality of wisdom, it's something outside of us. And then look how the preacher finishes his two sermons. Compare verse 14 to verse 28. Verse 14: From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. There's something here about results. Look at verse 28, that was 14. In verse 28, in the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Again, something about a a result, a a future occurrence. These are both about the good life that comes from wisdom. Fruit of the mouth, work of the hands, path of life, there is not death. Well, that's, that's the good life. You put these two together and we, we see that wisdom is external. A mother and father's instruction, King Solomon to his son, but ultimately wisdom is external because it comes to us from God. Wisdom is leaning on his understanding, fearing him. We can also say this, that wisdom, God's wisdom, produces the good life. Maybe not your definition or my definition of the good life, but God's definition of the good life. That's the last line of each of these sermons. That's what the passage then is about. That's why I've put these two uh, sermons together. Uh, They are both telling us that the wisdom from God leads us in God's will for our lives. The wisdom of God leads us in God's will for our lives. You slow down just a little bit and allow the first point of the sermon to be that first line of these two uh, sermons here from King Solomon and then the second point of the sermon to uh, be those uh, last two lines of these two sermons. So first, wisdom is external and second, wisdom uh, makes uh, huge promises about the good life. Uh, First, wisdom is external. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We have a tendency to take the, the book of Proverbs and turn them into uh, cute little books with pretty artwork and we uh, memorize uh, Proverbs as we go about life but we, we tend to have this notion that uh, Proverbs are all the kinds of things that make our hearts smile. We uh, love doing these things. This is God's wisdom and we have it memorized and we think about it every Monday morning. There's A little bit of idealism there to be sure. But I do think that we sometimes domesticate wisdom. We talk about God's wisdom in Holy Scripture as if it is our own good ideas, our own principles for making our way through life and we dare not do that because wisdom shouldn't be domesticated because wisdom is after all dangerous. That's what the first two lines of these two sermons tell us, verse 1, verse 15. Wisdom comes from outside of us, and if it comes from outside of us, then wisdom is independent from us. Wisdom is an instruction that we might sometimes agree with, but sometimes not so much. Wisdom is actually dangerous. Look how this is shown by King Solomon to his son. You see in verse 1, he who hates reproof is stupid. Well, of course, reproof is unpleasant. Uh, Reproof says to me, stop when I want to go or go when I want to rest. But you hear what King Solomon is saying. He's saying that wisdom sometimes opposes us. Wisdom will sometimes reprove us and tell us that our wisdom is wisdom with a lowercase w and our wisdom ought to conform to wisdom with an uppercase w. Now, we're all being a little naive, aren't we, if we're saying, well, that's always a good thing. I always love wisdom with a capital W, but we don't. We need to be reproved because our God is holy and he loves us and his glory is more important than our own glory. Wisdom sometimes is a little bit dangerous this way. There's an example of this in uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 5 uh, uh, where uh, King Solomon is talking about the forbidden woman. And there is such a thing, according to King Solomon, as a person who actually succumbs to the temptation of the forbidden woman. And when this person does this, we read Proverbs five twelve and 13, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. Do we want to be those kind of people succumbing to temptation and looking back and saying, I I see what happened. I hated discipline. I didn't want to hear reproof. We don't want to have to look back and say, I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. Listening and inclining, bending your will, this is what's required of us if we are going to live Proverbs lives. You see this in verse 15, the the great danger of wisdom. You, You see to be right in our own eyes is something we talk about all the time. We sit down with others and we describe a situation that we're undergoing at work and we always describe that situation uh, as if uh, this is exactly how things are happening and I am the subject of great injustice and those people have wronged me in this way or that way. C.S. Lewis once said that uh, in uh, his own imaginations he is always the center of his own drama and he is the most righteous one in his own drama and we do that, don't we? We love being right in our own eyes. I know what I want. I know what I did. I'm justified. We want to feel that, but be careful. We ought not want to, as those who profess faith in Jesus, be right in our eyes, but to be right in our Father's eyes. Wisdom's dangerous. Sometimes... Because it's external from us, because it has an independency of its own, sometimes that wisdom, well, it constrains us and tells us we're wrong. We're not justified in our actions, and we need to be disciplined. I think the basic principle in this, before moving on to how King Solomon ends his sermon, the basic principle is this, is that God made us, didn't he, to need him even before the fall adam and eve were called to uh, walk with god to speak with god but they were called to be taught by god Uh, their very instructions with with regards to their life in that uh, sacred garden was to guard it and to keep it but how are they to do that without the instructions of their heavenly father Uh, not just the command but the very details of that command man and woman were made to need God we were never meant to invent our own wisdom to live life pursuing our own glory and yet isn't that exactly what the world tells us and isn't that how we are tempted to live our lives but we weren't meant to invent our own wisdom and to live for our own glory Wisdom is external and it therefore might be dangerous. That's the very beginning of King Solomon's sermon that's preached twice. Look at the end of it. Wisdom makes uh, huge promises. Here's uh, uh, the promise of the good life. Uh, Even though wisdom is outside of me, uh, wisdom actually is, well, satisfying. To me. Don't we think that if I'm going to satisfy myself, I need to block everyone else out and I need to look inwardly and dwell upon myself, make myself the subject of my own plans, then I'll find satisfaction. That's not biblical. Our satisfaction comes from listening to the wisdom of God, even if that wisdom conflates my own. But as I do so, God cares for me better than I could care for myself. You see in verse 14, uh, wisdom makes a man satisfied with good. We'll, we'll mention the reference to mouth later. Uh, the, the work of a man's hands uh, come back to him, uh, benefit him. Might we even say uh, the work of man's uh, hands, uh, according to wisdom, will actually reward us. My hands, they do what they're supposed to do my lips they do what they're supposed to do if i listen to god's wisdom and what that means is that um, i will have no regret about my speech or my work if i would listen to god's wisdom don't we all have regrets but not with wisdom wisdom actually keeps its promises when our lips conform to wisdom when our works conform to wisdom that's the good life delivered to us By God's wisdom. You see in verse 28 uh, that wisdom promises to put me in the path of righteousness. In that path. That's where wisdom places me. God's wisdom does that. Not my wisdom. I want the good life. And I think I can uh, uh, work the good life. Make it happen. But I can't. But God can His wisdom is perfect, and with his wisdom I am placed in a path in which there is no death. Now, when King Solomon is saying this, I don't think King Solomon is saying to his son, that, son, there will be no bumps in life. No, he's not saying that. The world is fallen. But wisdom promises that we will be on the path that God has for us, even in this broken world. Wisdom promises that we won't have regrets like the world does. And wisdom promises that our regrets won't dominate us. I want to back off from this just for a little bit. Wisdom is external and wisdom produces the good life. But isn't this how the gospel of Jesus Christ works? The gospel is news it's news about someone else. It's not news about me. The gospel doesn't originate from my heart or your heart. The gospel is external to who I am. The gospel is news about who Jesus is. And yet we love to be the center of our story, but the gospel is about Jesus' story. And Paul says that Jesus came to us as the wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. The gospel's about Jesus. He is God's wisdom. This gospel is external, all about Jesus, and there's discipline in this. I might want to invent my own redemption. I might want that. But I can't. You can't. That's why many have noticed, noticed that the gospel is actually dangerous because it says you're a sinner. And you need the work of someone else. And the gospel tells us about the work performed by that someone else. And the gospel also makes these kind of good life promises, doesn't it? The gospel makes huge promises. In the gospel, Jesus promises to dwell richly in us so that we might be made wise. Our wisdom comes from the very work of Jesus as he dwells in us by the Holy Spirit, which the Bible calls the Spirit of Wisdom. The gospel tells me that I cannot save myself, but then offers to save me freely. The very beginning and the very end of these two sermons preached by King Solomon, that wisdom is external and that wisdom produces the good life, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It comes from outside of me and produces the good life. Now, there's a couple of practical implications in the middle of King Solomon's two sermons. Uh, Wisdom does have daily implications. This is a third point of my sermon. Wisdom has daily uh, implications. Let me uh, just call out three of them and then close uh, this morning's sermon. Uh, Wisdom has daily implications. The wisdom of God actually leads us daily. Uh, The first is this, is that wisdom makes us stable today. The second is that wisdom makes us valuable to others today. And the third is that wisdom makes us busy today. But Wisdom makes us stable today. Look in verse 3. Uh, no one is established by wickedness. You see there that wisdom not only establishes us, but wisdom gives us roots. You see that in verse 3? Wisdom gives us roots, tethers us, makes us stable Jump down to verse 7, the house of the righteous will stand. Do you see that? And then uh, in the second sermon in verse 16, wisdom uh, makes us prudent. Wisdom makes us uh, able to handle a variety of situations in this world. Prudence is a lot like shrewdness or cleverness. What I mean by this is that wisdom makes us stable today. We're not floating around the world like the, like uh, those who refuse to follow Jesus. We have a good King and a Shepherd, and He is with us, and He speaks to us. And what He says to us is truthful, and what He says to us has implications for our daily life. Don't we want stability? To know that we can count on things. We want a retirement. We want to know exactly um, where our paycheck is going to come from. We want to know exactly the kind of lives our kids will uh, lead down the road. But it is wisdom that gives us stability. And we can have that today if we lean upon God and if we fear him. Wisdom makes us stable today. Wisdom also makes us valuable to others today. How interesting that man's plan to achieve the good life is pretty quick to write others off, but not the wisdom of God. Verse 17 tells us that wisdom is about giving honest evidence. Others ought to find Christians to be especially trustworthy, giving honest evidence. verse 18, the tongue of the wise brings healing. I want you to ask yourself if you think that's healing for self or healing for others. I suspect it's the latter. The tongue of the wise actually brings healing to others. The words that we say to others are important. I think the same thing is happening in verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And don't we sit around hoping to hear that good word, that our anxiety would turn to gladness? You offer that good word. The Wise people, they're concerned about the anxiety of others. They're not just seeking their own good life. Wise people care about others and offer them a good word to help in God's grace dissipate anxiety. Verse 26, a wise person is a guide to his or her neighbor. You shouldn't desire to lead your neighbor astray for the sake of your own good life. Wisdom is concerned about others. Others. That's uh, interesting in verse 10, did you notice this, you pet lovers, uh, wise people, or even kind to animals? That's an other-orientedness and wisdom, isn't it? Uh, even uh, care for the life of his beast. So uh, wisdom makes us valuable to others today. Uh, wisdom that writes off others is not God's wisdom. And then finally, wisdom makes us busy today. A lot of verses in these sermons about uh, fending off laziness. The slothful are mentioned in a couple of places, but look at verse 12. Uh, wicked people, they covet what others have, but wise people, they do their own work. They're not coveting what others have. They produce fruit themselves. Verse 11, a wise People work in their own land, harvest the wheat, produce the bread. Verse twenty-seven: Wise people they roast their game; they don't let it sit and rot. Wise people, we're told, are diligent. All of these are admonitions that the father has for his son. That wisdom has a daily value. It makes us stable. It makes us valuable to others, and it makes us busy. Makes us laborers. But the wisdom from God leads us in God's will just the way the gospel does. It doesn't, doesn't, uh, these, uh, don't these sound familiar to you, these, uh, these daily actions of wisdom in our life? Don't they sound familiar? I mean, as Christians, shouldn't we know that we are stable and established? Who is more stable and established than those who profess faith in Jesus Christ? For them, there's no condemnation. They will uh, have, have their sins cast as far from the east as from the west. They are established not just in the present day. They are so established that even if they die in this present age, they have life in the age to come. They are established for all eternity. We struggle, we suffer, we grieve, and we do these things differently as Christians. Why? Because the gospel of grace makes us stable. And as Christians, uh, we should be others-oriented. Uh, the gospel uh, does this as well. The gospel gives us a regard for others that we could never have unless we understood how God has made those others marked with the image of God, valued, full of dignity, because if, even if they don't acknowledge it, we know who created them. And the gospel calls us to love God and to love our neighbors. As Christians, we should be others-oriented. And as Christians, we should be very busy. Uh, all of our labors are called to, be, to bring glory to God. I mean, think about it. We don't have to be a missionary or a pastor or a church worker in order to glorify God with our labors. In God's good grace, even our eating and our drinking can be done for his glory. And this is the point of these two sermons. This is where I, is where I want to end. The applications in these sermons about our, uh, the things that uh, wisdom brings to us daily, these are things that we have in the gospel. Stability, others-oriented, and labor. These are gospel gifts. But this is bookended in King Solomon's two sermons with the externality of wisdom and the good life that it brings. We're going to come to the Lord's table. And the Lord's table is a proclamation of that gospel. The gospel that comes from outside of us. We would never design the gospel in such a way that it would require the death of our Lord and Savior. But that death is the death that brings us life. Praise be to God that the gospel is like wisdom. Comes from outside of us. And what it gives to us It gives for all eternity. That's gospel externality and gospel good life. As we come to the Lord's table, would you join me in prayer? Our Father, we do ask that you would bring to bear the truths of the gospel upon us as we uh, listen to your word, but also uh, as we come to your table. Our Father, we thank you that you know what's best We thank you that you are independent and we are dependent. And we thank you that you can deliver what is truly good and glorious. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.